going on, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the First and Ten Podcast, brought to you by Blogging the Boys, powered by SB Nation. As always, Tony Catalina and Aiden Davis here to go over all the Cowboys news, man. We just wrapped up week two of training camp, and uh, before we kind of get into it, Aiden, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm good. Football is, we can officially say that football's back now. The Hall of Fame game has happened. I guess you can put an asterisk on it, considering we had to watch the no-names play, but Football is back in the loosest sense of the term. Listen, I didn't, I just tell my wife this, like, I, I don't care who it was. I didn't care who was out there suiting up. I was so pumped up to see the pregame show, you know, the Jason Garrett, you know, and, and the, you know, just to see these guys, Rodney Harrison and them just talk about football at a football stadium with some football going on, man. I was I don't know. I, I know that people like to make a joke about the Hall of Fame game and it's not a big deal and who cares and you got to be a sicko to watch it. But I watched the whole thing. I've been deprived since February. I take every chance I can to watch all the football that I can. Did you enjoy it? Like when we get to the fourth quarter, are we still enjoying the football? Like because me, I shut it off after like I'm not going to lie. I shut it off like halfway through the second quarter. I was like. Zach Wilson really is the only player of note that even took a snap in this game, like in my mind. So like, I'm not going to watch this past the second quarter where we're starting to get into <laughs> names that I've never heard of. Well, you know what? It was, like I said, I'm a sicko. I'm a true sicko when it comes to football. So I did watch <laughs> the whole thing. I probably would have watched it no matter what. Um, I don't really get football fatigue too, too often. And like I said, with it being so long, I was, I was turned up for it, but Dorian Thompson Robinson, did you see that Dorian Thompson Dorian Thompson Robinson sorry I can't speak um for the Cleveland Browns from UCLA went out there and, was, and balled out did you see like he was no. the quarterback for the Cleveland Browns really he balled I'm telling you right now he had a a great game uh, let me you know what matter of fact we got time so let's let's look it up I want to see exactly what his stats were cuz he was a quarterback that was fun to watch in college I wouldn't say he was like all that good but like yeah. he was fun to watch let me see i see if i can pull it, pull it up real quick because he um he went out there and he played he played well man <laughs> like he actually played pretty well so what did he do i here? saw that there was one receiver for the browns that like randy moss is already saying is like the best receiver cedric tillman right mm. a third round wide receiver randy moss is saying he's like the best receiver prospect in 15 years i'm like <laughs> how, how that is a bold take my man for a third round receiver yeah it was so he finished 8 of 11 82 yards a touchdown pass and a 124.1 passer rating and, okay and you know what he so he threw the touchdown pass he hit a little slant route the guy took to the house. It was easy money. But yeah. the most impressive thing I think a lot of people saw him do was he hand the ball off on like some like read option type thing and then became the lead blocker and threw his body into a guy. So it was just like you could tell this dude's out here fighting for a job. It just the energy of a dude being a little bit more talented than the guys around him for third and fourth stringers, but also like playing like his career mattered and it like it was on the line. That's the thing. Preseason's different than like preseason in the nba because if you watch like preseason football if you just treat it as like you're watching like two d2 schools go at it where like you're not going to know any names but like every player is going to be giving 100 percent. there is credit to that like you're right every player is yeah. trying to make the roster so like you're not gonna see you guys taking the playoff especially no. when we get into the fourth quarter where like these guys are really fighting for roster spots it like it's not like it's the all-star game or the basketball all-star game or the 
the NFL uh, Pro Bowl for that matter, where like it's like, oh, we're just not going to tackle. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've I've gone to and sweat out those preseason games when my brother played in the league. Like, yeah, my, you know, it's and I try to t- explain it to people who are, you know, casuals or, or my mom or anybody who's like, oh, it's like third string guys or fourth string guys. I'm like, yeah, but like last year, most of these guys were the best players on their college football team. So, like, these are the guys that my brother would have been like locking horns with in college that we'd be worried about then just because it's here on, on a lesser stage or a preseason stage doesn't mean these guys aren't fighting for their life and you know i talk about training camp practice and we'll get into it deeper but i always talk about it with my brother how like practices in the nfl were so hard because pads or no pads t-shirts whatever you're wearing dudes are still going 100 miles per hour fighting for jobs so he's like they're one-on-one drills when you're just wearing a helmet was like aggressive you know it wasn't just a casual thing so um i have a real respect for the bottom end of the guy rosters guys that are fighting for their job so um i could see and that's probably part of the reason why i love it so much because i know that like like for example my brother's last preseason game he ever played in he took every snap of an offense everywhere so he played left tackle right tackle left guard right guard he played four positions And it was like, we were so sure that it meant like, okay, he's not going to make the team, but they just wanted to test his will in that final game. And he ended up making the roster. So it was pretty crazy. Wow. Yeah. It was nuts. Like he never came out of the game. He played every offensive snap plus field goals on special teams. I don't think I've ever heard of that where you're like, like without the injuries, you're just moving around, bouncing around the offensive line, playing every single snap. It was, you know, me being or saying or thinking what I know about football, I'm like, oh, this is probably not good. Then they're, they're wasting, <laughs> you know, they're not going to waste guys who have made this roster and they're going to burn them out in this preseason game. But I guess they just wanted to test out and see his versatility and what he could do in a stress test. So uh, it worked out. The rest is history. But uh, in that moment, I was like, ah, this probably doesn't bode too well. <laughs> so I, I, it's much different when you're watching your brother. But when you're watching a Cowboys preseason game yeah. on a scale one to ten, how much are you rooting for like the team as a whole to win the game? I don't care at all about them winning a game unless it's yeah, I'm like, like a, a two. Yeah. yeah, unless it's an end of game situation, you get the ball in your hand, and there's a chance to actually take something from a four minute or a two minute offense or a defense coming up or a stop. Like it's the it's the situation within the game. So like I if they're winning thirty five to twelve or losing thirty five to twelve, I don't care ultimately. But if there's a chance to win the game, the competitive juices are there, and I'm like, all right, go go win this football game. Like go prove a point right now. Especially because most of the time we're watching backup quarterbacks. I'm like, okay, let's see what Will Greer's got. Let's see yeah. if Will Greer can yeah hold it Absolutely. each this one out. So before we get too far down the rabbit hole of my brother in preseason football here, we obviously actually have a really exciting episode. Last week, we had Kyle Yeomans from DallasCowboys.com, and this week we actually have his teammate Nick Harris from DallasCowboys.com on the show. Last week, we had Kyle break down week one. We're going to have Nick break down week two, and I'm really excited about this. We'll we'll get to it you know, in a little bit. He's going to jump on and join us here, but... Is there anything this week or anything that you want to talk about with Nick that kind of caught your eye and you're like, hey, I, I kind of want to get a boots on ground kind of point of view on this? So I, I don't think this is something that we we talked with Kyle extensively about last week, but I do think it's revisiting after another week of training camp. This wide receiver group continues to impress. Like Jalen Tolbert had another good week, but a guy that 
Nick Harris has specifically written about at this point that we'll probably get his thoughts about it at some point. Jalen Brooks had a great week with pads on and Jalen Brooks. I mean, that's a seventh round pick that nobody had their eyes on. Like that was like, like how many, like out, do you, did you see anybody who had Jalen Brooks on the final 53 man? I, I hadn't seen one Jalen Brooks even murmur. This. No. And you know, what's even more interesting about that is the fact that a lot of people felt about Jalen Brooks, that this guy was like, burn a seventh rounder because you don't want to fight for him and undrafted free agent. So a lot of people yeah. thought even a seventh round pick was like a stretch for him, but the Cowboys felt like, all right, let's not, let's cut through the middle man. Let's get him in here. But you're absolutely right. And I will say, I've noticed that Jalen Brooks is killing it. It's clear what you're going to ask him about that. I'm sure. Um, but my question is I'm nervous, right? Because every year there's some bottom men, you know, bot- bottom of the roster wide receiver or some skill guy who like flashes and you hope it translates. But some of the things he's doing looks mighty encouraging for a guy in his position. And I will say Jalen Brooks, if, you have like he's more of a bigger body guy, gonna be like more of that 50 50 ball. Tony, is this the end of the road for Simi Fahoko? Like, if Jalen Brooks makes Ooh. the roster, I, I don't see a world that Simi Fahoko's like they're in terms of like their skill sets of what they do and what they bring to the team, it's very similar to justify keeping both of them at the same time. And mm. like, we're hearing Tolbert's evolved. Obviously, Kevontae Turpin's gonna be on the team, but he could also be involved in more passing work. Now we throw Jalen Brooks into the mix. I'm getting to the point where I'm I'm I think we this training camp might be the last time we see Simi as a Dallas Cowboy. I I don't disagree, man. Like I really don't. It's 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 I don't take any pride in saying that, but like you're talking about the skills that Jalen Brooks bring offensively, that he's you know, he's fighting, he's showing good hands, he's physical, he's running routes, he's 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 working hard. But where is he going to spend most of his time? And that's going to be in the special teams room. And I don't know if you caught any of the blue and white scrimmage that happened this weekend. He went double team against two of the Cowboys' best special team guys at a gunner position. It was Kelvin Joseph and CJ Goodwin. And he was battling out downfield at the gunner spot with both of them. Ended up winning. Ended up getting down there. And it's just the toughness, the grip, because, yes, you want all your wide receivers to be able to help you in the wide receiver room, but he's going to spend most of his time in that special teams unit. And I'm sure Nick's going to say some positive things, but I think everybody in Cowboys nation is locked in on what this kid's doing so far. And I mean, we can throw this kind of wrap this up into my second takeaway for week two, but like if you also throw in Eric Scott, like what they did at the back end of this draft is it's now granted I we might be I might be counting the chickens before they hatch we haven't seen these guys on an NFL field I don't even know if Eric Scott or Jalen Brooks will make the roster a very there's a possibility where neither of them makes the roster it's not looking like that but yeah. that world still exists but I think my the biggest takeaway I have from the second week of training camp I, this defense I'm I'm sold this defense yeah. is going to be absolutely absurd DeMarvian Overshawn had a big day on Friday. We can lump that into Kyle Yeomans. We heard last week mentioned um, what he pr- projects for Damone Clark. So Overshawn looks like he could add some depth in an already improved linebacker room. Eric Scott, I already mentioned, is looking good. The safeties, Izzy's looking good. Playing slot, playing yeah. in the nickel corner position now. Like this defense could actually, like this might, I, I'm not predicting it. But if this is the best defense in football, nothing that would that would surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. This could easily be the best defense in football. 
that's the scary part too, because we have seen this offense do well at times, right? I think for the most part, we'd agree that the defense is winning. Like the defenses have had stacked better days so far through nine practices, but the offense have come out firing on some days. Dak Prescott's been yeah. on the money, you know, um, it's it's been good to see because if this offense can be as good as we think it can be against this defense that we know is good, it's it's a scary team. It's a scary proposition. And if you're talking about fear factor and scared, as good as we feel about the offense and the defense, it's that's how much worried I am about the special teams and what we're going to do with this kicker spot. So um, we're going to be able to talk to Nick and ask him about that. And it was about this time last year that they pulled the ripcord, um, <laughs> you know, on the Garibay experiment last year. And so yep. um it might be history might be repeating themselves here because this is, this is, this isn't good, man. I think they went one for six during that blue white scrimmage and mojo moment kicks. And it was one for seven. You were the one that tweeted out the final. Yeah, that's, that's, it's brutal. I mean, and I understand there's tough wins out there and they'll say everything you can, but I mean, if you can't make a kick in Oxnard, California, when it's 75 degrees out and beautiful, what makes you think you're going to be able to do it in MetLife Stadium or you know anywhere? I mean, I know your half of your games are in a dome in Cowboy Stadium, but like this is it's unacceptable, and they need to figure it out. So as good as they are, we need to figure out the special teams. I think we got spoiled with Brett Maher last year. The Cowboys got bailed out having go. You mentioned going into camp, holding a two-person kicker competition. Both of the kickers falling flat on their faces. The Cowboys realizing, oh no, we now need to scramble to find a kicker. They so, so luckily happened to find Brett Maher, who up until the playoffs looked like a hidden gem. And so I I just think we were spoiled for this year where it was like, once again, yeah, let's just get two random guys off the street, make them compete. And then worst comes to worst. Apparently we're just great at finding hidden gems off the side (laughs) of the road. But I like the Brett Maher, like, they, they, to me, you tweeted out the possibility of Nick Folk. I don't just get so, this team. I talked about before. It's too good to mess around at the kicker position. Mason Crosby, Robbie Gould. If you yeah. want to go try and trade for Nick Folk, just get somebody in there who you know is not going to actively lose you ball games because I'm not going to watch this team die on their special teams. Yeah, and I I might have said it on this show or a different show at some point. I said it would be so. F- like Cowboys-esque for them to have the most complete roster we've ever seen, at least in my lifetime. And the reason why they don't go somewhere is because they, a lack of care at the special teams position, right? Like to have a kicker who can't make the gimmies, the guy who can't make like the, the, the the chip shots, that would be so Cowboys-esque to not be able to pull this together. But um, that and many other questions we're going to be able to hit and ask Nick Harris of the DallasCowboys.com here shortly. So let's kind of get him on here and uh, we'll get that conversation going. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school 
that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, everybody. We we promised we'd have the, the big guns here with us, and that's what we have. Nick Harris of DallasCowboys.com. Nick, how you doing tonight, my man? Man, I'm doing good. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. I, I know y'all had Kyle on last week, and it was probably the same exact setup as we have right here because we're roommates here in Oxnard. So <laughs> if it looks similar to last week, I'm not Kyle. But, uh, but yeah, excited <laughs> to be here, man. Yeah, how you liking out in Oxnard? You guys, I mean, I asked him the same thing, and I'll ask you again. Like, how's the weather? Like, you must be loving it there compared to Texas. Man, the weather is absolutely incredible. Easily the best part of camp, and there's been a lot of good things about camp. But, uh, but yeah, we're like we're like two weeks in now, and it's it's been a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong, but it's to that point now where it's like, dang, I kind of miss my dog. I kind of miss my bed. I miss my car, you know. But but it's been great. It's been good. I can't complain. Well, we'll get started with the Cowboys questions. We won't keep fans waiting because we know you have a lot of good information to share. I want to start off with a question that it might sound like a joke, but it's really not a joke. Is having to practice against Micah Parsons, do you think it's making it more difficult on the offense, having to practice against a guy who's A, that physically gifted, and B, that competitive? We saw Mike McCarthy make comments about, like, he had to tell him to tone it down a little bit. That was more in respects to hitting the quarterback. But is it just difficult to practice against a guy like Micah Parsons? And is, is it making life harder on the offense? A simple answer, yes. Uh, it's And if you want to be the best, you're going to have to, go against the best. And, you know, that's part of the reason why uh, Mike McCarthy didn't want to scrimmage against any other teams or practice any other teams uh, during training camp, just because he said he felt like he has enough talent on both sides of the ball to where that competition is being risen everywhere he wants it to be. So, you know, Micah Parsons is definitely a part of that. Uh, the best way I try to compare it to is like, dude, whenever I get a video game, I'm talking like Madden or 2K or something like that. I, I want to play on the all Madden or the Hall of Fame level. And every single year I go in and I put it on that level. And then eventually I have to work myself back up to that area. And I eventually get there. But that's what I feel like this offensive line is doing right now with this defensive line and especially Micah Parsons. They're just starting the game on Hall of Fame and they're just they're getting their tails whipped a little bit. But I, I think they'll be able to ease into it the more experience that they get under their belt. Um, I, I do, I will say with reps, a lot of these guys are starting to show some flashes finally, but I think the preseason is really when we're going to be able to see how much of a testament that work against Micah Parsons and, and the defensive line really is. Yeah. So it's funny. Um, speaking of the offensive line, I'll kind of stay there with it. Uh, we've now seen nine practices without Zach Martin. And while we know he'll get in there and he'll eventually take his customary spot at some point, who has stepped up to you and used this opportunity to their advantage so far? You know, it's it, it, there's a large group of guys that have rotated in and gotten reps. I wouldn't say there's necessarily one guy that has really flashed, which, you know, I, I wish I could say that right now. But, you know, through through uh, the padded practices, I haven't really been able to pick out one guy. But I, I will mention a few. Josh Ball has, has rotated in at right guard, and he's even gotten a little bit of work at tackle as well. He's shown flashes at times. Um, awesome Richards has also stepped in, uh, the swing tackle out of North Carolina that was drafted in the fifth round. Uh, Chuma Idoga, that's a guy that the front office particularly likes, and, and to bring him in with that versatility as well, he's he's come in and gotten some good reps at both guard and tackle. But, you know, I, I've said it a couple of times in the last week, I don't feel great about the offensive line picture as a whole right now. Uh, I would like to see a little bit more solidified depth there because, you know, let's say Zach Martin does come back and he's placed right there at right guard and you have the perfect five up there. 
it, it would be, you know, almost a dream to, to keep off five for the entire season, just with, you know, how physical the NFL is and also the history of, uh, you know, injuries on that offensive line for the Cowboys recently. So, uh, you know, I would like to see some solidified depth there. You know, to this point, I wouldn't say that there is that. You mentioned Zach Martin, who obviously, as we know now, has missed two weeks of camp, accumulating a lot of fines while he's doing that. But Mike McCarthy said that when Zach Martin, when they need him, he feels like he's confident that Zach Martin's going to be back with the team. He's going to be good to go. Is that the sense you get around the team that, like, this is more of a veteran move, but when the team actually does need Zach Martin, he's he's going to step up and he's going to be there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm confident that Zach will make that return. I, I don't know when. Um, but I, I feel like that that's a situation that gets worked out just considering the two parties that are involved. Um, but Mike McCarthy saying that, yeah, it makes sense. You know, the guy's a six time all pro. Um, he's come in and been a veteran, not only on the field, but in the locker room as well. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he's going to bring that presence whenever he does come back for sure. And, you know, maybe you'd, it, it even gives a jolt to that offensive line depth and, and helps him kind of, you know, find that extra gear as well. You know, kind of changing gears a little bit here. Um, we're heading into week three of camp. And, you know, where do you think Dak and Mike McCarthy are as far as com- comfortability in that Texas Coast offense, like working together more closely? Um, just how do you what's your sense on that kind of relationship and in, in heading into week three? Yeah, it's coming along really well, actually. In fact, I asked a question to Dak Prescott in his press conference earlier this week, and I, I kind of wanted him to compare him having to go through this offensive change between Kellen Moore to Mike McCarthy to when he had to go from Scott Linehan to Kellen Moore. And he said that although that there weren't as many changes um, under uh, – I'm sorry, that Scott Linehan to Kellen Moore switch didn't have a ton of changes compared to this move, but he feels like this move, they're further along in this process already. So, you know, that that's, that's only good things, and um, the receivers are on the same page. And, you know, this offense, they've said it many times, it's about simplifying everything. And whenever you're simplifying things – it's going to be easier to pick up and and you can definitely see see that translated onto the field. I'm excited for everybody to see that translated onto the field next Saturday. Even if Dak Prescott doesn't play, I I still feel like you'll see that symmetry a little bit more than we've seen in the past. Sorry, I was muted. I I want to ask you about (laughs) an article that just came, that you just wrote, just came out. And to anybody who's listening, I highly encourage you to rec- to read the article because it's great work from Nick. You wrote about 10 uh, players whose stock has risen in camp, and two of those names that fans might not be super familiar with, Wanye Thomas and Jalen Brooks. Is there specifically Jalen Brooks who's gotten a lot of hype over this past week? Is there a way you could give us some insight into what you're seeing out of those two players specifically, and should fans start paying attention to those names? Well, first off, I appreciate the plug. I appreciate that a ton. But uh, talking about those two guys, starting with Jalen Brooks, man, I feel like he was the forgotten draft pick coming into training camp. I mean, even by me, you know, going through those draft picks and like, okay, you know, Mozzie's going to do something, you know, overshown, he'll be fun to look at. Okay, Jalen Brooks, you know, Junior Fajoko, you know, (laughs) so you had kind of forgotten about Jalen Brooks. And whenever he came in, man, and those pads went on, the physicality showed, and man, he has been probably one of the more bigger surprises from camp. Uh, when those pads went on, man, he's physical with the corners. He's challenging the corners. Even the veteran guys that have been around uh, been around this league for a while, he had a rep against Stephon Gilmore this week that was like, dang, that was pretty good. He didn't win the rep, but it was still, you know, he was holding his own. And um, special teams, that's probably going to be where he makes this team. And I, I believe that, you know, if he is on the field in week one, it's because of his special teams work. And again, that translate, translates into physicality. And um you know, he's been he's been a very pleasant surprise here in Oxnard. And then Wanye Thomas, 
you know, there's been some um, highlighting of that safety depth so far here during uh, training camp. On the very first day, Donovan Wilson went down for what we expect to be the entirety of training camp. And then Israel Mukwamu, who just came back on Saturday, uh, he had gone out on the first day of camp. So it allowed some of those rotating safeties to come in and get some real work, you know, whether that be Marquise Bell or Wanye Thomas. And they've both excelled. But since the pads have come on, man, Wanye has been fantastic. He's great in coverage. He's great in zone. I, I think specifically he really covers that back end range very well. And and so far I've really liked what I've seen from Wanye. I know you I know you finished that topic with the the safeties here, but I kind of want to stay on the wide receivers a little bit. And uh, you know, a few names have been turning heads a little bit. Guys like Jalen Tolbert, Kavante Turpin made a splash when he came back from, you know, having his his daughter there. Um, can you talk about the battle for the wide receiver four position and maybe touch a little bit about the group as a whole through two weeks of camp? Yeah, it's it's a very interesting conversation just because I think through the first week, we were all looking around and being like, dang, Jalen Tolbert, he's coming to camp with a, a different set of confidence, a different aura about him. And he's really confident, you could tell. And uh, But once the pads got put on, man, more guys started to show out and, you know, start to creep up with Jalen Tolbert. And, you know, I think it's I think it's a very heated competition, but I still like Tolbert there just because of the traits that he has. Um, the confidence that he's gained over the offseason and uh, how, uh, the, the confidence that's being expressed in him by the offensive staff, whether that be Brian Schottenheimer or Mike McCarthy. Or that's translating onto the field. But in saying that, that doesn't mean that Cavante Turpin or, um, you know, even Jalen Brooks or Jalen Moreno Cropper, who's an undrafted free agent out of Fresno State, all of these guys have done a fantastic job so far in camp. And I think the depth of that receiver room is only making everyone else better in, in that room. And uh, it's, it's fun to watch. It's really fun to watch, especially with a new offensive system and seeing these guys integrated into a fresh being. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. One name that we talked about before the, before we jumped on here and specifically a name that we were forced to talk about because of your, um, how much you've been singing the praises of Jalen Brooks is, Simi Fahoko, do we feel like are we reaching the end of the line on Simi Fahoko, who is a name that there some people on our podcast network have been champion is like, no, he's he'll break out eventually. But are we at the end of the road here? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say so. I would say, though, he needs to prove it during the preseason. I, I would say that just because, you know, we've seen him at training camp in the past do well. And he's even had moments here in Oxnard this year. But it's never really translated onto the field at the NFL level yet. So, you know, he has the preseason to to have that opportunity. And, you know, I, I hate talking so much about necessarily like solidified position battles. And if there's a winner already before we even get to the first preseason game. So because so much can happen in those preseason games where it matters a lot more than what's going on out here. So, you know, Simi Fajoko has that opportunity to go into AT&T stadium next week against the Jacksonville Jaguars and earn his spot and two more games after that. So, you know, I'd really like to see that from Fajoko. You know, there, there's nothing about him that, you know, his heads hang low or anything like that. You know, he's showing up every day. He's doing what he has to do. I know he did battle a minor injury earlier in the week, sat out uh, one practice, but, you know, he's he's been there ever since and he's been doing a good job from a mental standpoint. You know, staying with the pass catchers, um, one of the names I keep seeing brought up a lot is tight end John Stevens Jr. In your mind, does he have a real path to the 53-man roster? And can you kind of touch on maybe what the boots on ground feel about him? Because he he seems to be a guy who keeps flashing a little bit here. You know, I, I, I think it's an interesting conversation about 53. I'm not sure if I would go that far. Um, not to say it couldn't happen. I, I just wouldn't predict that myself. However, uh, man, he's been fantastic so far at camp. I think the only thing that might prevent him from 
getting on the NFL field as early as uh, some may think is he's still pretty lanky. You know, he's coming into the NFL ranks as a true receiver at Louisiana Lafayette, lining up as an outside threat, very rarely coming in line. And so he's learning how to have to play that in line position and come in and put his hand on the ground. And uh, I think even uh, Coach Linda Wells, tight end Coach Linda Wells, talked about it uh, earlier this week. It was like, man, he's got all these athletic traits. He's got this flash and, you know, he's got the pedigree even. But you know, getting him to learn how to be a tight end, that's going to be what eventually gets him onto the field. And I, I think it will happen. You know, you've seen it from him uh, in the receiving game specifically, but he's also been getting some good work in with blocking. And, man, you know what's funny about John Stephen Jr. right now is uh, the fact that it only took us about three and a half months for us to realize that Sloan Stevens is his sister and his dad was a rookie of the year in the NFL back in the eighties. And uh, it was really funny, man, cause he's, he's from Louisiana and at, at my old job, I, you know, I had a lot of uh, resources in Louisiana. So I was contacting one of them, you know, just kind of uh, shooting game with him. And he's like, Hey, did you know this about John Stevens? And I was like, no, I did not know this about John Stevens. So maybe I'm not doing my job right. But uh, but no, I think I think that pedigree definitely speaks to you know his athletic ability because that tracks and and co- coming from the recruiting world, kids that come from you know NFL or athletic families typically turn out to be NFL players or athletic players themselves. So you could definitely see that with John Stevens Jr. Well, we've touched on offense. We've touched a little on defense. But the talking point of this next week is going to be special teams. Where we saw the kicking competition from this past week, specifically in the mojo moment from Friday's practice, is a team. Do we get a sense that the team's already starting to look externally, or are they gonna they're gonna let Viscano and Aubrey battle it out a little longer? Uh, they're gonna let Viscano and, and Aubrey go at it a little longer. Uh, you know, those two guys will trot out most likely next Saturday uh, against Jacksonville, and they'll both get their opportunities to get some kicking work in during a, a live a live game setting. You know, I will say it's tough to kick out here in Oxnard. There's just not a, an easy direction or an easy playing surface to, you know, where it's where it's easy for kickers. But that being said, it's still a competition. And one of them still has to, you know, show a flash at some point that they could be the starting kicker on an NFL team. I don't think that's happened to this point. And especially on Saturday, man, it was a rough day for both of them. I think they would both tell you that. Um, but, uh, you know, they still have another week to bounce back. Um, but, you know, I, I've had a, a lot of people ask me, especially in the last 24 hours, you know, who are you going to take one of these two guys or the field? And right now I'm heavily leaning towards the field uh, just because there are still some really good options still available. You know, I, I really like what Mason Crosby can still do at this point in his career. Um, you know, would love to see that area explored, but you know, we'll see, you know, I, I don't want to discount either of these guys because I think they both have, they both had the leg. They both have shown consistency in the past and they both have cool journeys to get here. So I, I would love that one of these two guys end up being the guy. I just, it's, it's tough for me to see a path right now. Yeah, I mean, the the special team stuff, the kicker specifically, we were talking about a little earlier is um, it's it's a it's a a case of anxiety for us. Right. Because we feel really good about the offense and we feel really good about the defense. And I said, you know, it'd be so Cowboys s to like have a a kicker be the reason this team doesn't reach the the pinnacle of the mountaintop that we think this team is good enough to do so. So, yeah, I think um, we've seen the story play out last year. It's kind of replaying itself again here in 2023. It's, it's just a tough pill to swallow right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I would love to see the situation be a little bit more solidified than it is at the moment, but uh, I, I guess what I keep coming back to is two things. One, that I do believe in John Fossil, special teams coordinator and, you know, his, his track record speaks for that. 
And then two, they were in this very exact, exact same position at this point last year. And it ended up working out. It just happened to kind of crumble towards the end with Brett Maher <laughs> when he had his bad moments. But, um, you know, if we look at the season as a whole, you know, Brett had a fantastic year uh, up until, you know, he started seeing some shakiness in, in week 18. But, um, you know, aside from that, I, I would like to see one of these two guys pull it out. I, I would. So give me we're two weeks in. We're about to hit the first preseason game. Give me Nick Harris's MVP picks on the offensive side and the defensive side for the first two weeks of camp. Okay, man, that's a fun one. That's a really fun one. I would say uh, on the offensive side, let me think about this a little bit. I would have to say Brandon Cooks probably. Um, you know, his speed, his his veteran leadership that he's shown on the offensive side of the ball, it, it's really going to make an impact on this team. And it's being shown in preseason – that speed is flying all over the place and uh, it's, it's catching a lot of these DBs that haven't seen that speed uh, on a regular basis off guard uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, it, it would be, it would be almost criminal not to give it to Micah Parsons. I feel like that's the safe answer just based on given <laughs> what we've seen, but you know, I, I want to kind of mix it up a little bit. Let's um, I, I really like what J Ron curse has done too. you know, just being able to kind of man down that, that back back safety, and, um, you know, work with this group that's been rotating in with the injuries that they've had. And he's done a really good job with it. And, uh, you know, Dak Prescott said it earlier this week. He kind of beat me to the punch, but he is the best trash talker on the team. And whenever he gets going, that ignites the whole defense. So I, I really like what I've seen from him. But there's been good moments from a lot of players on defense. It's You could really pick at any single one. And I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so we haven't really talked about it yet. And I kind of, you know, this is one of the more intriguing battles in my mind, or at least I think so, is uh, the, the, the battle for the running back two. And, and I know a lot of people within the media and the fan base have different factions, right? There's Malik Davis people, there's Rico Dial people, you know, even there's some Deuce Vaughn guys that really want to see him get some work in. So can you kind of give us an overview of the position and your opinion and who you think may be the front runner right now through two weeks? Yeah, that is a good point. I feel like there's fans of every running back right now, whether it, it could be any five of those guys that are trying to vie for that position. But, um, you know, I, I feel like it's a little bit too early to necessarily point at one guy and say, you know, he's the runaway favorite right now where I really think he could end up getting that RB2 spot. You know, I think between Ronald Jones, Malik Davis, and Rico Dowdle, I think it'll end up being one of those guys. And that's not to discredit what Deuce Vaughn has done during camp. I just still think that, you know, those guys have that experience under their belt and they have a little bit different aura coming into camp as well. Um, we asked uh, Mike McCarthy earlier in the week, you know, what are some running backs that are standing out? And right off the bat, he said, man, I'm loving Rico Dowdle. And then he praised Malik Davis as well. But coming out with that statement about Rico Dowdle, that says a lot about a guy who, uh, you know, he's battled injury during his time in Dallas. And, you know, he's looking really good right now, fully healthy, fully springy. And he's had some big time runs, especially in this last week with the pads on. And, um, you know, I've really liked what Rico's done. But, uh, you know, the, the conversation, I guess, always comes back to, OK, then sign Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure if Ezekiel Elliott is the answer to this to this problem, but uh, I, I I am confident in this running back room as of right now. But I need to see it on the field. That's why I say it's still probably too early to say anything. You know, that's going to be a big thing in the preseason. I, I think of all position groups, I think that's the one that's going to have the biggest spotlight for me, at least going into the Jacksonville game. You mentioned the big name in Ezekiel Elliott, Mike McCarthy. Obviously, he came out. He's he's. Claiming to be comfortable with where the running back position's at, but what we're hearing is that the Cowboys are lingering around. Are you are you hearing anything about the possibility of a reunion with Zeke, or is that still kind of we'll we'll get there when we get there? 
Uh, you know, it's probably more of a get there when we get there. You know, we can only report what we've been told. And as far as what we've been told is the fact that, you know, the front office is the ones that makes these decisions. And the front office still really likes Ezekiel Elliott. And, you know, if the price is right, maybe he ends up back in a Dallas uniform. But, um, you know, I'm not betting on it, on that necessarily right now. If I had to put odds on it, I would say the fact that he's not coming back to the Dallas Cowboys, those odds are a lot more likely than the fact that he would be. Um, but, you know, he's not signed to a team, and, and that, that door is still open as long as he's not. I, I think whenever they dropped him back in March, they did not expect for him to still be a free agent at this time. And so I think that's kind of thrown everybody for a loop, including myself even. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, as more variables come into the equation, you know, we'll maybe have a little bit more clarity as time goes along. But, you know, uh, I guess never discount what, what Jerry Jones says. And Jerry Jones has <laughs> said, you know, that that ship is not sailed. <laughs> Last question. We'll get you out of here, Nick. And we really do appreciate you joining us tonight. Uh, so sure, la- last one, give us your dark horse player. Who are we not talking about enough? Like, I know you got your pulse on social media. I know, you know, Cowboys nation here um, who in your mind are like, all right, people need to start, wake up and, and take a look at this guy here because we're not talking about him enough. I, I don't know if he's not necessarily being talked about enough, but a guy that I feel like could earn a lot more respect is Damone Clark uh, coming into this, his second season. I think he's going to have a huge year uh, for this defense. He's a guy that I've really liked here in camp. Um, I think he's going to have a fantastic year. You know, we're looking at him and Sam Williams both as being, you know, second-year guys that can really make a big-time jump. But, you know, already based on rookie years that were already pretty exceptional in their own eyes. So, you know, uh, I, I really like Damone Clark. I really like what he's done out here. And I like his his odds to be on the field whenever that first-team defense trots out against New York in week one. Man, I'll tell you what, that's back-to-back – Dallas Cowboys, Raiders, insiders who, uh, you know, feel really good about Damone Clark. So I think uh, we yeah. need to start buying high on some stock of uh, Damone Clark this year. I think Cowboys Nation needs to be ready for a, a big season for old number 33 there. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and he looks physically, man, he looks fantastic. You know, I think this training staff has done a fantastic job with him getting him ready. And he's fully healthy and ready to go this year. Awesome, man. Nick, we, like I said, we really appreciate your time. And anybody who's listening to this, make sure you go check out Nick Harris and all of his work over at DallasCowboys.com. Those guys do a great job. Kyle, all them guys, tell them I said what's up. Tell them Aiden and I said hello. And um, again, Nick, we appreciate it, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. All right. That was Nick Harris at DallasCowboys.com. And I, I, you know, I know you probably feel the sentiment here, but I'm going to say it as well. I love talking to those guys. I mean, those guys are yeah. boots on the ground in Oxnard. They're, they're, they're the ones that people like myself and, and, you know, other guys on Twitter that look at those videos, they give us the content that we thrive for and kind of fuel our fire. So shout out to Nick, shout out to Kyle last week. And um, we'll have some more guys here soon. We're going to get continue this partnership between blog and the boys and, and DallasCowboys.com. I think there's a, a mutual respect between the two entities here. And uh, there's a lot of good guys on our side. And I feel like we got some good guys on our side here too. So um before I go into any more patting ourselves on the back there, um, Aiden, what was uh, some of your takeaways from our conversation with Nick? Because there was a lot of useful information there. I mean, a ton of useful information. I think we we were able to head on what most of the 53 men who will probably be on the final roster. Yeah. That was an awesome. Rapid fire questions of, there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one of my big takeaways and a name that we neither of us have really talked about lately and a name that. Like, obviously, Cowboys fans are looking at this season, but the fact that Nick named Brandon Cooks his MVP of the offense, like, that gave me a lot of um, yeah. a lot of hope, a lot of good feeling, because 
Brandon, like we mentioned, we've talked about the guys who have impressed in practice, the Jalen Tolberts, the Jose Moreno Cropper at time, the Jalen Brooks, as Nick talked about. But Brandon Cooks, it's not like he's been ignored, but we just haven't heard a ton from him. But I'm I, I love the fact that um Nick is already seeing the specifically what that type of speed is bringing to the team and that connection he's forming with Dak Prescott. And we've seen it in practices. I mean, that it Dak's gonna be able to uncork the deep ball a couple times this year. So I'm really encouraged. I was really encouraged to hear that. I know it was one of the last things he said, but I just can't get over the fact that we've had we're two for two on people that are really high in Damone Clark. Like, Seriously. It's we gotta start buying in. <laughs> like, and you know me, and when you talked about it, I've been pessimistic about this offensive line groups. I mean, excuse me, about this linebacker group. And for two guys to be like, listen, Damone Clark's going to be a stud. Uh, you know me and you both feel really good about Leighton Vander Esch. Those two guys, Michael Parsons in the mix at some point, some of these younger guys, uh, It's you got to feel really good about Damone Clark and, and some of that linebacker depth at this point right now. I completely, like, Damone Clark is a guy that, I, maybe we just start buying jerseys at this point, get ahead of the curve because yeah, both Nick and Kyle seem to be very impressed with Damone Clark. So I'm really excited to hear that. I will say both of the last two weeks, the two negatives we've heard have both been about the offensive line. Yeah. I'm, I'm starting to get really concerned about the offensive line. I, th- I think this could be the year that like, it's not going to completely melt down, but if you were to like, if you made me bet on the thing that is going to derail this season, to me, it's a hundred percent. My bet would be on the offensive line. Just, and I don't, th- I don't think it's going to be horrible. It's not like they're going to be the worst offensive line in the league, but I just see this as like the running game may struggle at times. Dak might have not have as much time as he has had in the past. He might have to rush throws at times, which like could lead to more mis- Like, I If one thing's going to go wrong, it's reading the tea leaves. It's going to be the offensive line. I will say I have a little bit more optimism about the group because, you know, Terrence Steele's shaking rust off. Um, Zach yeah. Martin isn't there. And, and to be honest with you, like you, you let off the interview with, like you're not going to face Micah Parsons every week. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> you know, there's there's some things there that, you know, we we talk about how good this defense is and and Dan Quinn's blitz packages and Dan Quinn's like um, you know, pressure schemes that he's got. It's it's something that is going to give a lot of teams fits and we're not going to face a Cowboys level defense every single week. So, yeah, should there be some, you know, some pause or reservations about the offensive line? Of course there should be, but I think that um, we're seeing something that I think ultimately water will find its level at. So especially, like I said, with Zach Martin coming back and some of these other guys. So um, I don't think it's an overly deep group, but I, but I'm okay with the front five that we have there. And if they're all out there, I think we'll be okay. And if you're looking for positives, Nick's did, Nick did mention that Chuma Doga and the Richards have both impressed at times. So that's, and uh, Josh ball. So that, that those are three yeah. names that if they could step up would be huge for this team. And those are three names that I didn't even think about. You know, I mean, we had talked about that Matt Farniak and and Matt, well, let's go the guys that I thought were locks. So for them to be talking about those three, if we're all kind of right, then that seems to be, (laughs) you know, what about 10 names that we feel decent (laughs) about. So I don't know. I mean, I I was looking at last year's 53 and I think they carried nine initially. If they keep nine. Um, we got some numbers there. I think we, we feel pretty good about that and we could make the seven or eight, nine guys that we kind of decently like, you know, work. So um, it's, it's going to be fun. This is going to be fun year to watch. Um, it's going to be fun. And, you know, next time we talk, next time we have a first and 10 podcast episode here, uh, we'll have a game to break down. 
you know, so the, yeah. the, the that's recapping awesome, football. Right? Yeah. Yep. Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern time, I believe it is. It's uh Jacksonville versus the Dallas Cowboys. You're gonna see a lot of backups get some work, but we'll have some some film and some game stuff to break down. So I'm excited. And uh that'll kind of wrap it up this week, unless you got something else to add there, Aiden. No, I'm ready for I'm ready for next Sunday. Me too. So next time we talk to y'all, like you said, we'll be talking about the Cowboys versus the Jaguars. And hope you guys stick along, stick around with us. But another episode of the First and Ten podcast brought to you by Blog and the Boys, powered by SB Nation, Tony Catalina, and Aiden Davis. We'll catch you guys next week. Peace.